Hello and welcome to Stories to Get Stoned By. I'm your host, Jason Eli. A little background, I'm getting done playing music as I so often do and hanging out in the back having a cigarette and bullshitting with the boys for a little bit and as I was enjoying my smoke, uh, another gentleman was over there enjoying his smoke as well and he walked up to me and said, man, I could listen to your voice all night long. You got a recording of you just talking? Because, man, it'd be great to get stoned to. <laughs> well, today's day and age, well, might as well get it done for you, huh? Stories to get stoned by. You might not hear stories. Maybe we'll read a cookbook or something or a how-to manual on a lawnmower. Who knows? <laughs> After all, kick back, light one up, roll it, load the bomb, heat up the dab. Stories to get stoned by. I would love to take credit for this one, but according to a source on onlinephdprograms.com, these are 30 of the most bizarre research paper topics of all time. For many postgraduate students, a PhD thesis will be their magnum opus, the zenith of their academic achievements. And with such a significant amount of time and effort being invested, it's important that study topics are chosen wisely. Hence, it's comforting to know that the world of academic research is a far more inclusive, eclectic, and remarkably unusual place than one might first assume. However, left field a particular subject might seem, there are almost certainly countless other research papers that, well, wipe the flow with it in the weirdest states. Here are 30 of the very strangest and most bizarre research paper topics of all time. It's stories to get stoned by. Ovulation, a lap dancer's secret weapon? To investigate the theory that Estrus, the interval of amplified fertility and sexual awareness, often referred to as heat in mammals, is no longer present in human females. Researchers turn to an unlikely source, lap dancers. A team from the University of New Mexico, led by evolutionary psychologist Jeffrey Miller, enlisted the help of 18 professional dancers. These dancers documented their ovulatory cycles, shift patterns, and the amount of tips they received over the course of 60 days. Published in 2007 in the journal Evolution and Human Behavior, ovulatory cycle patterns affects on tips earnings by lap dancers, economic evidence for human estrus noted a distinct correlation between estrus and greater income from gratuities, representing what the researchers called the first direct economic evidence for the existence and importance of estrus in contemporary human females. Which can jump higher? The dog flea? or the cat flea. Frog hoppers aside, fleas are the overachieving long jumpers of the animal kingdom. 
Please have body lengths anywhere from 0.06 to 0.13 inches, but can leap horizontal distances more than a hundred times those figures. But were all fleas created equal in the jumping states? To find out which would triumph between the dog and cat dwelling varieties, researchers from the Ecole National Veterinary de Toulouse France meticulously recorded the leaping effects of a collection of both species of flea. Published in 2000, the resulting paper called A Comparison of Jump Performances of the Dog Flea and the Cat Flea declared the dog flea the winner. Yes, the canine-inclined insect jumps both higher and further than its feline partial opponent. In 2008, the research team scooped the annals of improbable research's Nobel Prize in the biology category. The Nobel Prizes being awards that recognize the feats of those who make people laugh and then think. Perhaps stories to get stoned by could get a nomination? Death Row Pardons, Lottery Wins, and Rain on Your Wedding Day. All, arguably non-ironic, subjects referenced by Alanis Morissette in her 1996 single, Ironic, one topic that would probably merit inclusion, despite their research not being published until 2009, is the revelation that books on ethics are more liable to be absent from the shelves of university libraries and comparable books on other philosophical subjects. Do ethicists steal more books? By University of California Riverside Professor of Philosophy revealed that the more recent esoteric ethics books of this sort likely to be borrowed mainly by professors and advanced students of philosophy were about 50% more likely to be missing than their non-ethics counterparts. However, Professor believes this is a good thing as the demand that ethicists live as moral models would create distortive pressures on the field. Wet underwears? Not comfortable. Even babies know it. Wet underwear is uncomfortable. And precisely why this is so is a question that went unanswered by hard science until 1994 when the journal Ergonomics published Impact of Wet Underwear on Thermoregulatory Responses and Thermal Comfort in the Cold. Bakovic and Nielsen had investigated the significance of wet underwear by monitoring the skin and intestinal warmth as well as weight loss of eight adult male subjects wearing wet or dry underwear in controlled cold conditions. Apart from the obvious significant cooling effect of wet underwear on thermoregulatory responses and thermal comfort, the research also discovered that the thickness of the underwear exerted a greater effect on these factors than the 
material used to make the garment. So, now you know. Wet underwear, scientifically confirmed, as not comfortable. Do woodpeckers get headaches? In much the same way we'd presume dragons don't get sore throats, it would be a reasonable assumption that woodpeckers don't suffer from headaches. But assumptions are a poor substitute for the authoritative grip of scientific fact. Published in 2002 in the British Journal of Ophthalmology, which is the surgical subspecialty within medicine that deals with the diagnosis and treatment of eye disorders, cure for a headache came courtesy of Ivan Schwab, an ophthalmologist at the University of California, Davis. Schwab's paper details a raft of physiological traits that woodpeckers have developed to avoid brain damage and bleeding on detached eyes when hammering their beaks into trees at up to 20 times a second, 12,000 times a day. In addition to a very broad but surprisingly squishy skull and sturdy jaw muscles, the woodpecker has a relatively small brain which probably explains a lot. Booty Cows, the best of both worlds? Compromise, according to U.S. poet and author Phyllis McGinley at least, is what makes nations great and marriages happy. It's also the backbone of the booty call. If research published in 2009 has anything to go by, appearing in the Journal of Sex Research, the booty call, a compromise between men's and women's ideal mating strategy, was written by researchers from the Department of Psychology at New Mexico State University. The study analyzed the booty-calling behavior of 61 students from the University of Texas at Austin. Once more, it confirmed its central thesis that the booty-call may represent a compromise between the short-term sexual nature of men's ideal relationships and the long-term commitment ideally favored by women. Lead researcher Peter K. Johnson, now working at the University of Western Sydney, followed up papers in 2011 and 2013 for the Journal of Sex Research and Archives of Sexual Behavior, respectively. Mosquitoes like cheese? The mosquito is a formidable and destructive pest. While it's known that the exhalation of carbon dioxide by its victims acts as a highly compelling invitation to dinner, other smelly signals have been less well documented. Published in the Lancet, Mark Knoll's 1996 research on human order, malaria, mosquitoes, and Limburger cheese changed that. The entomologist described how Africa's most prolific malaria-spreading mosquito exhibited a keen partiality for biting human feet and ankles. Crucially, the research also showed that these mosquitoes can be attracted to 
Limburger cheese, a stinky fromage that shares many characteristics with the width of human feet. Africa potential use as a synthetic bait for traps. Interestingly, Knowles is one of the few people to have won the LG Nobel for Entomology in 2006 and a Nobel Peace Prize shared in 2005 as part of the International Atomic Energy Agency. So, Limburger and Flamunda attract mosquitoes. Weighing up lead and feathers. It doesn't require a degree in physics or philosophy to understand that a pound of lead and a pound of feathers weigh the same. Yet the question of whether or not they feel the same is rather less straightforward. To examine this, researchers from the Department of Psychology at Illinois State University enlisted the help of 23 blindfolded volunteers recording their perceptions of the weight of either a pound of lead or a pound of feathers contained within boxes precisely the same shape and size. Published in 2007, the paper, which feels heavier, a pound of lead or a pound of feathers, a potential perceptual basis of cognitive riddle, discovered that participants weighted the pound of lead as seeming weightier within a love chance frequency. A suggestion that such factors as the muscular forces required to handle an object could also play a role in the perceptions of weight. So, would you rather be slapped with a pound of lead or a pound of feathers? Asked the pillow. Cat food? Yummy? Despite their notorious penchant for fully or sometimes partially dead rodents in their mouths, cats are surprisingly fussy eaters. And what's more, the pet food industry has found that kitties themselves represent unreliable and expensive test subjects in the pursuit of more appealing cat food flavors. Professor Gary Pickering of the Department of Biological Sciences at Brock University in Ontario, Canada, detailed a better option in 2009, the human palate, optimizing the sensory characteristics and acceptance of canned cat food, use of a human taste panel, describes the bizarre methodology for human tasters to profile the flavor and texture of a range of cat food products, including meat chunk and gravy gel constituents. The impact of this on the number of job applications to the beer and chocolate tasting industries <laughs> remains to be seen. The Unhidden Dangers of Sword Swallowing? While cat food taster is unlikely to appear on anybody's dream job list, at least that profession is unencumbered by the daily risk of serious injury. Sword swallowing, on the other hand, though, occupying a similar position in the league table of tastiness, is a rather more hazardous occupation. In order to establish just how hazardous, radiologist Brian Wickham and world champion sword swallower Dan Meyer analyzed the 
technique and complications of, of 46 members of the Sword Swallowers Association International. Published in 2009 in the British Medical Journal, their research, Sword Swallowing and Its Side Effects, found that performers had a heightened chance of injury when distracted or adding embellishments, as in the case of one unfortunate swallower who lacerated his throat after being disturbed by a misbehaving macaw on his shoulder. In 2007, Whitcomb and Meyer together received the LG Nobel Prize in Medicine in view of the pair's penetrating medical report. Beer Bottle versus Human Skull? Common weekend warrior tales would suggest that a beer bottle makes a good weapon in the event of a bar brawl, but would a full or empty bottle inflict the most damage and would that damage include fracturing a human skull? These important questions were answered in 2009 by a team of researchers from the University of Bern with their seminal paper, Are Full or Empty Beer Bottles Sturdier and Does Their Fracture Threshold Suffice to Break the Human Skull? Dr. Stephen Bulliger and his colleagues tested the breaking energy of full and empty beer bottles using a drop tower. Moreover, they discovered that a full bottle will strike a target with almost 70% more energy than an empty bottle, but that either is capable of breaking a human skull. Good to know. In a great twist of irony, Dr. Bollinger and company picked up a 2009 LG Nobel Prize in the Peace category. The Propulsion Parameters of Penguin Poop? The titles of scientific research papers can sometimes be fairly impenetrable to the layman. Other times, they may take a more direct approach. Published in 2003, issues produced when penguins poo. Calculations on avian defecation certainly belongs in the later category. The paper's authors, Victor Buenomaro Rushow of the then International University Bremen, now Jacobs University Brennan, and Joseph Gah decided to address the question of how much internal pressure penguins generate for poop-firing purposes. With knowledge of just a few parameters, including the thickness of and distance covered by the fecal matter, the researchers were able to calculate the birds employed pressures of up to uh, 60 kilopascals to eject their bodily waste. The project was inspired by a blushing Japanese student who, during a lecture, asked Dr. Mayorako how the penguins decorated their nests. Lady Gaga and Pop Art? Lady Gaga clearly sees herself as something of an artist, and her third album is called Art Pop, and she voiced her desire to bring art culture into pop in a reverse Warholian expedition. But does anyone else agree? In 2012, University of Cambridge student 
Amro Al-Kadai decided to write a few words, ten thousand of them to be precise, on the subject for his final year graduate dissertation. The paper, looking at Lady Gaga's place in the history of pop art and her role as a voice of cultural criticism, initially encountered some resistance from the Cambridge University History of Art Department. However, after several meetings, the provision of a barrage of YouTube links to Gaga videos such as Telephone, which apparently demonstrated her postmodern aesthetic, and a bit of work, permission for Al-Qaeda to undertake the research was granted. Even chickens prefer beautiful people? A 2002 research paper by Stefano Garlanda, Lissela Johnson, and Magnus Enquist at Stockholm University decided to make inroads into the question, most likely contemplated by very, very few people, of whether chickens prefer beautiful humans. The study saw six chickens trained to react to images of an ordinary male or female face. They were then tested on a series of images ranging from the average face to a face with exaggerated male or female characteristics, and a group of 14 human students were given the same test. Perhaps surprisingly, the chickens showed preferences for faces consistent with human sexual preferences. The researchers claim this offers evidence for the hypothesis that human preferences stem not from face-specific adaptations, but from general properties of nervous systems, perhaps overlooking the possibility that their human test group just had very unusual tastes. Erase bad memories? Keep good ones. Painful, embarrassing, or traumatic memories have an annoying habit of accumulating over the course of an average lifetime. As Courtney Miller, assistant professor at the Florida campus of the Scripps Research Institute, puts it, our memories make us who we are, but some of these memories can make life very difficult. With that in mind, Miller led a team of researchers to try and figure out whether certain unwanted memories, specifically drug-related ones, could be erased without damaging other memories. Published in 2013, Selective Retrieval Independent Disruption of Methamphetamine-Associated Memory by Actin Depolymerization found that, in mice at least, this kind of bespoke amnesia is entirely possible. How? By means of inhibiting the formation of a particular molecule in the brain. The hope is, said Miller, that our strategies may be applicable to other harmful memories such as those that perpetuate smoking or post-traumatic stress disorder. Erase bad memories, keep good ones. The rectal route to curing hiccups? When beset by a flurry of hiccups, a few minutes of putting up with the involuntary jolting is usually sufficient to get them to subside. 
However, times it can become a far more unmanageable problem beyond the healing scope of even the oldest of wives' tales. In such situations, there is a surprising but highly effective cure. Published in 1990, Termination of Intractable Hiccups with Digital Rectal Massage details the case of a 60-year-old patient whose seemingly non-stop hiccups were brought to an immediate halt by a massaging finger in the rectum. A second occurrence a few hours later was curbed in a similar fashion. Research from Israel notes that no other occurrences were observed. The inspiration for the report was Dr. Francis Fessmeyer, who penned a medical case report with the same title in 1988 and with whom the researchers shared a algae noble in 2006. Fessmeyer passed away in 2014, and one fitting epitaph from an entertainment-oriented research magazine mused that Dr. Fessmeyer found joy and fame by putting his finger on in the pulse of his times. Can pigeons tell a Picasso from a Monet? Theirs is a list dominated by flying, pecking, and defecating, and pigeons can now add appreciation of fine art to their skill set. Published in 1995, Pigeon's discrimination of paintings by Monet and Picasso came courtesy of the Kiho University in Japan. And sure enough, the paper presents evidence that pigeons are indeed able to distinguish between works by the two artists. The birds were trained to recognize pieces by either Monet or Picasso, and crucially, they then demonstrated the ability to identify works by either creator that had not been shown to them during the training period. <laughs> not bad for rats with wings. Professor Watabi, who went on to explore Hattie Bird's appreciation of the spoken word, put the paper into context, saying, This research does not deal with advanced artistic judgments, but shows that pigeons are able to acquire the ability to judge beauty similar to that of humans. The nature of navel lint? It's a phenomenon that most people will be familiar with. Small balls of lint accumulating in the belly button. Still, until fairly recently, the mechanism behind this process lacked a satisfactory explanation from the realm of science. Fortunately, all that changed in 2009 when Jorge Steinhauser, a chemist and researcher at the Vienna University of Technology, published a research paper entitled The Nature of Naval Fluff. After gathering 503 samples of naval lint, Dr. Steinhauser concluded that the culprit behind the common occurrence is hair on the abdomen, which dislodges small fibers from clothing and channels them into the belly button. As the Austrian himself has pointed out, the question of the nature of naval fluff seems to concern more people than one would think 
at first glance. Five hundred and three samples of natal lint. The effects of cocaine on bees? The effects of cocaine on the human body movement can be observed in nightclubs the world over on just about any given weekend. And as it turns out, the tediously familiar overestimation of dancing prowess is not just limited to humans. In a 2009 paper entitled Effects of Cocaine on Honey Bee Dance Behavior, a team of researchers led by Gene Robinson, entomology and neuroscience professor, analyzed how bees are affected by low doses of cocaine. Honeybees are known to perform dances when they locate an abundant food source, and the team found that administering the drug prompted the bees to circle about 25% quicker, as well as dance more exuberantly and for longer. The bees also exaggerated the scale of their bounty. <laughs> no surprise there, then. Fruit bat fellatio? Hmm, that's precisely the topic that a group of researchers from China and the UK chose to explore in their 2009 paper, Fellatio by Fruit Bats Prolongs Copulation Time. The group looked at the copulatory behavior of the short-nosed fruit bat and observed that females were not passive during copulation, but performed oral sex. Or interestingly, the researchers also discovered that the longer the bats spent engaged in fellatio, the longer the copulation itself lasts. And when fellatio was absent, pairs spent much less time mating. The possibility of unicorns? It's a question that has plagued the internet for decades. Could unicorns really exist? The short answer, at least, is no. Still, King's College London philosophy undergraduate Rachel Patterson decided to investigate whether a full dissertation on the more theoretical aspects of the subject would yield the same conclusion. Her paper, The Possibility of Unicorns, Gripfy v. Dummett, picks up on the previous theses by the British philosopher Michael Dummett and American logician and philosopher Saul Kripke. Why? In order to see if any more rainbow-hued light could be shed on this important question, of course. Reassuringly, perhaps, neither Kripke or Dummett claim these mythical creatures live in reality, although Dummett does posit the idea that in another world, they might. Does country music make you suicidal? Country music is one of the most popular genres of music in the United States with a huge audience that encompasses all age ranges. Yet, given its recurrent themes of wedded disharmony and excessive drinking, Stephen Stack of Wayne State University and Auburn University's Jim Gunlick decided to probe whether country music might have an influence on municipal suicide rates in America. 
published in 1992, their research paper, The Effect of Country Music on Suicide, actually discovered a strong link between the amount of country music radio airplay in any particular city and the suicide rate among the white population in that area. The reaction was mixed. Stack and Gunlick initially received hate mail, but in 2004 they won the LG Nobel Prize for Medicine. Do cabbies have bigger brains? The notoriously demanding exam that London's black cab drivers must pass is called the Knowledge, and for good reason. Covering around 25,000 streets inside a six-mile radius of central London, the test generally requires three to four years of preparation and multiple attempts at the final exam before success is achieved. University College of London Neuroscience Eleanor McGuire was inspired to take a closer look at this feat of memory after researching similar examples in the animal kingdom. Published in 2000, the resulting study, Navigation-Related Structural Change in the Hippocampi of Taxi Drivers, discovered that cabbies had physically larger posterior hippocampi. That's the areas of the brain responsible for spatial memory and their non-cabbie counterparts. Professor McGuire's follow-up study with Dr. Catherine Woollett in 2011 confirmed that trained cabbies were better at remembering London landmarks, but not as good as recalling complex visual information compared to the unsuccessful trainings. Really? I hope they're good at remembering London landmarks as a cabbie. Shrews. To chew or not to chew? Ever felt so hungry that you could eat a horse? How about a shrew? While such scenarios are never likely to present themselves to the average person, scientists can be an altogether more experimental bunch. Take the 1995 paper, Human Digestive Effects on a Micromammalian Skeleton by Brian Crandall and Peter Stahl, anthropologists working at the State University of New York, Said paper investigated what would happen to a shrew, which was first skinned and disemboweled and hard-broiled and cut into segments, if it was swallowed sans chewing by a human. Interestingly, many of the rodent's smaller bones disappeared in their transit through the human digestive system, while portions of a skeleton showed significant damage despite the lack of chewing. Promising result of those studying human and animal remains. Following this particular paper, Ryan Crandall became a science educator hoping to motivate future generations of hungry scientists. Love and sex with robots. Intimate relationships with artificial partners. Ludicrous science fiction or serious science fact. According to the paper's author and British International Master of Chess, Daniel Levy, it may sound a little weird, but it isn't. Levy earned a PhD for his thesis which covered sociology, physiology, artificial intelligence, and robotics, among other fields. 
he conjectured that the human-robot love, marriage, and even consummation is inevitable by 2050. Roboticist Ronald Arkin from Atlanta's Georgia Institute of Technology points out, humans are very unusual creatures. If you ask me if every human will want to marry a robot, my answer is probably not. But there will be a subset of people. People are ready right now to marry their sex toys. So love and sex with robots. A better approach to penile zipper entrapment? Unfortunately, the horror story that befalls Ben Stiller's character Ted in 1998's There's Something About Mary often traverses the realm of fiction to bestow real-world agony upon boys and men who wish they'd opted for the button fly. A 2000 paper by a doctor from the Palika Hospital in New Delhi, India, looked at reported methods of intervention for this most unpleasant of problems and found that many common approaches either take too long or can actually make the circumstances worse. The researcher's paper, entitled Safe and Painless Manipulation of Penile Zipper Entrapment, details a quick, simple, and non-traumatic method using wire cutters and a pair of pliers. Painless does seem a highly ambitious adjective in this particular context. Flatulence as self-defense? The idea of a correlation between fear and bodily emissions of one variety or another is not surprising, but a 1996 paper by author Mara Sedali detailed a much more extreme example of this relationship. In her paper, Farting as a Defense Against Unspeakable Dread, <laughs> Sedali described the miserable tale of Peter a severely disturbed adopted latency boy, endured a difficult and traumatic early life. Despite various setbacks in his later growth, Peter demonstrated considerable innate resilience. However, he also developed what Sedali called a defensive olfactive container, using his flatulence to envelop himself in a protective cloud of familiarity against the dread of falling apart and to hold his personality together. With such a vivid and rose-rich approach to scientific research, it should come as no surprise that she scooped the LG Nobel Prize for Literature in 1998. Harry Potter equals Jesus Christ? Putting an end once and for all to the notion that literary theory sometimes lacks real-world application, Jesus Potter Harry Christ is a thesis by PH student Dr. Murphy and looks at the fascinating parallels between two of the world's most popular literary characters. What's more, after successfully exceeding his Kickstarter funding goal of $888, Murphy's thesis was transformed into a commercially available book published in 2011, which won the Next Gen Indie Book Award for 
best religious nonfiction that same year. Although the idea of analyzing the similarities between J.K. Rowling's boy wizard creation and the Son of God might seem like a frivolous endeavor, Murphy, who is currently doing his PhD at Taiwan's National Chengkong University, assures his public that the book's contents are academic and highly researched. Uh, what's the fun in that? Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Jason Eli's Stories to Get Stoned By. Once again, I'd really love to take credit for that one, but that was lovingly lifted from online-phd-programs.org. 30 of the most bizarre research paper topics of all time. Also, I'd like to send a shout-out to zapsplat.com. That's where I got the bed for this week's episode. So if you're a content creator, by all means, please check those guys out. And speaking of checking the guys out, make sure you log on to Red Circle or check out my Facebook page. It's Jason Eli's Stories to Get Stoned By. Or even log out of that Patreon account and throw your boy a shekel. We'll keep this thing going as long as we can. Till then, keep your weed dry and we'll catch you next Sunday morning at 420.